Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our online book club with Marissa Serafini and me, Phil Svitek. This month, we are talking about The World We Make by N.K. Jemison. Um, so as we do each month, we pick a book, we discuss it in detail. So it is going to be spoiler filled. So if you haven't read the book, go read the book. Um, otherwise, you know, just prepare to be spoiled. And that's okay, too. Some people apparently enjoy that as well. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, this just a little bit of context. This is the second book um, of the Great Cities duology. It was originally intended as a trilogy, but that kind of got scrapped. Uh, we'll talk about the reasons um, for that and how it actually translates um, to the book. Um, but let's start with overall thoughts for you, Marissa. Okay, so in fairness, going into this, I knew that it was the second book. And I figured, okay, there are a lot of people, a lot of names. We have this habit of picking books that have like 10 million characters. Um, I'm not very familiar with New York. I've only been there once. So <laughs> I am no connoisseur to that city. And then to have different people representing the different boroughs, I was easily, easily confused. Um, and it took me like I had to reread the first hundred pages twice. And very rarely do I have to like reread something in that much to like understand something. Uh, I like to think that I comprehend things pretty well the first time. Uh, this was a confusing book. There was a lot of politics, a lot of people, a lot of name calling. <laughs> we'll get into it. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I had a difficult time reading this one. So yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting, you know, um, so with this one in particular, like, I mean, her as an author, just to give context, um, she's like very beloved, right? As a science fiction writer, as a fantasy writer, you know, Neil Gaiman speaks highly of her. Um, she's won the Hugo Award for Best Novel, um, the Locus Award. Like she's she's done it a lot. Right. But however, this is for her Broken Earth series. Um, and she's done other books even before that and so forth. But, um, you know, and she she studied psychology um, and things like that. So you, so you see how that kind of plays into it. Um, so she's very celebrated. But for whatever reason, much like all of us, you know, amidst the pandemic, because this was written during the pandemic. Um, yeah, you can definitely tell. <laughs> the, the wheels were falling off the wagon. We're all just trying to get by day to day. So I was yeah. like, there was a, and we'll get into it, but there were a lot of references. I was like, that literally happened in 2020. That's like not the the far distant past, you know? And I was like, all right, this is a very contemporary recent book. Yeah. And so just, I mean, it, on the, not on, on the surface of it, obviously it deals with politics and, and, you know, kind of just our modern ever-changing world. Right. And so in that same way, you know, kind of like going back to how Trump entered politics, all of a sudden, truth was stranger than fiction. Like you couldn't write an Ar Onion article that, that surpassed what the reality of the world was, right? So it, it, it just, um, it's that sort of strange time and how to, how to cope with it. So I think it's a, it's a weird byproduct. I don't think it's um, emblematic of, of her greatest work. Because like for me, my entry point um, we have a mutual friend named Sarah Stratton. She read um, N.K. Jemison's Broken Earth series, loved it, raved about it, 
And I was like, oh, okay, well, let's let's jump in, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. We, we both trust her in her opinions. Yeah. She knows quality. So we we uh unfortunately I, I would say we backed the wrong book horse this month. <laughs> um or did you? You know, but no, I mean, no, no. It was both of us. I mean, again, on the surface, like there's everything that should have made this great. So, and let me, um, you know, before we fully dive into this, let me, let me give context of the first book in the duology is called The City We Became. And that was published in 2020. Um, so, so what happens is basically um, there's this threat to New York, um, this other multidimensional kind of threat that, you know, aims to absorb uh, the life force, if you will, of the city. And, you know, cities throughout human history have kind of, you know, come to being like there's an, a physical human that's a representation of that city. Um, and it only happens when a city reaches like a certain maturity. And because the U.S. is so young and um, in particular, like, you know, because of the constant overturn of just culture within the cities, you know, it never reached this maturation point but new york finally does and each of the boroughs gets one one uh, person to represent them and then there's a primary for all of new york um which sounds all great um you know all the av- all the avatars of the boroughs you know kind of come together and end up meeting each other however staten island is is a little wary of that she wants to be by herself doesn't want to be a part of new york and she actually joins um so the evil threat takes this representation of the woman in white. Um, <laughs> already, you know, you can start to, the, the subtext is pretty right there on the surface of a lot of this. Um, anyway, so, you know, uh, they, they all fight. They, they finally save the primary avatar because that's their goal for that. And by saving the primary avatar, you know, they can start to uh, try to battle this. And what they realize is they need the help of other cities to help combat this. So that's kind of where we end up at or start off rather with this book. And that would have been great to know because I didn't read the first book. So again, it took me a minute to understand what was happening because like I Admittedly, when you read this book, you're jumping right in. You're meeting all six um, people in within like the first, what, two chapters. You're like, okay, okay, there are people that somehow they're representing each borough, each city. Okay, I, d- I don't know how they all came together, how they all were like, those were the ones who were chosen. Um, so I already had a lot of questions, but uh, that would have been, and like, I get it, it's, it's a like you said duology but it would have been a nice had she added a little refresher of what happened at the beginning of the book yeah. <laughs> um or just like some quick explanation of like oh these people this person represents the queens this person represents brooklyn or i probably even got queens wrong again i'm not from new york i'm sorry but yeah it took me a minute because that's not clearly represented in the second one so you have to read the first one well, here's here's what's interesting. Like a lot of the questions that most of them that apart from like who's who that you brought up. My big thing is on on the surface, you know, the both these books, it, it's one of those things. I like the idea of it, right? Like th- this idea that you have a physical representation of a neighborhood, a city. That sounds great. 
at no point even in this book, it's just like, it, it's just city magic. And at certain points you feel it, you go with it, it works for you. And it's like, but, but there's no rules to, we never established this sort of logic behind it apart from it's city magic. Don't worry about it. And is it really magic? Because <laughs> um, I was reading, like, personally, I love New York. Again, didn't, wasn't raised there. I've only been there once, so I don't have a lot of experience. But compared to, like, a native who's like, I hate the city. Um, but if you wanted to, like, sell just the magic of New York, I wouldn't go based on this book. Like, if you're trying to, like make everyone believe like, oh, New York is the best city in the world. According to these people, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I don't know if it was trying to sell the idea of New York is the best city. I, I think, if anything, there's the subtext of, you know, each of us, wherever we live, there's good parts and there's bad parts, but it's home, right? That sort of a thing. And in that sort of way, if anything, it's like, what what is the essence of, you know, any city, right? What, what is the personality and so forth? So I, th I think it gets that a little bit, but, you know, I mean, as far as why even these people to begin with, I mean, there's a little bit of rhyme and reason, but not particularly, like, it's just kind of more or less you, your Queens, you, you're like, it, 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 they, they are, mm -hmm. they are representative of those people, of, of those boroughs, but but there's also not necessarily a particular, re you know, reason. And, and it's interesting, like, um, what's his name? Manny, who, who is Manhattan, you know, in this book, he struggles with his idea of, you know, being Manhattan because he is so new. And so much to the point that he ends up, like, ultimately choosing to go and be Chicago. <laughs> you know? So, like, it's just, there. there's a lot there that is left unexplained. Um, and I think that's where the wheels fall off you know unfortunately yeah and like i think you said before that like the rules weren't clearly established of how they were appointed or you know into that um got into that position unless you know that's explained in the first book but then i didn't know that you could also change <laughs> um i thought that was like that's your one role forever for life and then manny was like yeah i don't want to be this anymore so like all right okay sure so then like does someone else have to come and take his place i don't know like i didn't get it was very very confusing and that's kind of i mean again like you would think that you missed out something from the first book you did not that <laughs> that is what you get um so let, let me let me ask you this as far as the writing style um Part of it for me was we get so granular at certain points, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, when, um, what's her face? Um, when New Jersey goes, I'm just going to call them by their boroughs. When New Jersey goes sure. to meet with Staten Island, right? They're on the ferry. We get that whole thing. And we're like, we're there. It's a whole, you know, it's like 30 pages of, you know, them fighting the woman in white, these tentacles and so forth. And then we get to the next chapter and we essentially yada yada and we move along to next. And it's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. This seems like a lot happened in between what, that and where we're at now. But we just get like this two senses of like, they talk about it, you know, there was this, there was that, blah, blah, blah. But here we are now. Yeah. You get there's, that a, sense? there's a disconnect. And like, I know that there's this 
whole running contention between New Jersey and New York that New Yorkers hate New Jersey and New Jersey think New Yorkers are uptight snobs and all, all that stuff. So like I've never understood the difference and like why they hate each other because it just honestly seems trivial. I've been to both. I was just in New Jersey in February, uh, January. Um, so like, I, it's just like I, I don't understand where that hate comes from. So unless you're a native to that area, you probably understand where <laughs> that disconnect comes through. So when I'm reading this chapter, I was like, all right, this is based on the hatred, this pointless, trivial hatred towards each other. And then there's this big octopus tentacle monster in the river. I was like, but you guys are fighting, but you should be more worried about this creature um, who just seemingly happens to be there. Uh, again, I don't know if this creature was in the first book or not. So I'm like, um, but what should be more worried about right now? And there was there was just a lot of voices happening. And you asked the question of the author's writing style. I didn't like it. Quite honestly, I did not like it. Um, when we started the book, you, you're getting people yelling at each other. You're getting like a very, very objective um, and, and you could also say subjective Um opinions of how people each borough thought of each other and how and how they're seeing like the regular citizens and residents of the cities and like they're very judgmental they're very angry i got a very very angry voice and this is gonna sound terrible but it is written by a black african-american woman and i was like i mean i'm just hearing an angry woman's voice throughout this entire book and i didn't enjoy it not once was this book happy <laughs> which is ironic because some say like it is a ray of hope um yeah <laughs> I, I didn't mean, see it yeah i mean here's the thing like i think it takes as i said in those moments it gets very granular and even though it's told from a third person perspective the wording and how it kind of tells its story um really gives you these words that take you into the mindset of of these characters but are very subjective right and it, and it has a certain bias of x y and z versus just kind of having this more again omni omnipresent third person overview of like what's happening right um mm -hmm. and i think too yeah i mean structurally so you know, there's the threat of the woman in white, but then to kind of combat her, we begin this mayoral race, um, which seemed like it was in on the surface, it was interesting, but it's like, okay, how are you, how is this directly combating um, the woman in white? Which I understand from a theoretical standpoint, it's like you got to quote unquote change the minds of New York. Like, remember, um, remember in uh, Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> right they were like we're taking it back taking it back but in <laughs> ghostbusters too you know the ghostbusters argue like hey like new yorkers we, we need to be a little bit happy and like whatever and like the mayor's like it is every new york new yorkers god-given right to be as pissed off as they want you know um but like so so like that's kind of what i equated it to this this, this like metaphorical thing of they need to change the minds um, but that didn't really play into them ultimately defeating uh, the woman in white, squiggle bitch, whatever you want to call her. Uh, yeah, when they said that the mayoral event 
um, I was like, okay, maybe now we're getting into the politics. Now we're uh, th there's this whole vying for power because we have seemingly all these characters that represent each other, but also has equally the same power. And now it's always like that dictatorship in a, in a way that you always have to have like that one leading person um, that represents all of them. So like, I was like, okay, now we actually have something. There's an end goal to, to um, this book that now we, we have something to look forward to. There's, there's some politics in there. Um, but then like the, the whole way they went about it, I'm like, uh, okay, all right, this is going to be a process <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, like, again, if anything, I, you know, I, I use the term, uh, this is a ray of hope, because someone else kind of talks about it in terms of how, what this book is. And I wanted it to be a ray of hope, right? Like, I wanted this to be that light in a dark time, right? And I think it tackles a lot of, you know, things that a lot of us have anxiety over, right? Uh, you know, gentrification, racism, just overall mm -hmm. hatred, fascism, yada, yada, yada. But it does so in a, like, just a sloppy sort of way. And, and I know we're, like, really kind of jumping all over the place. But really, the book, yeah, unfortunately, doesn't do a, a great job. Because I, I want to talk about the ending in particular, because it is uh, Queens, um, aka Padmini, who, you know, she's this whiz kid, right? That knows calculations, analytics, blah, blah, blah. And literally she just, basically it's solved through, through math, which is fine. I don't have an issue with that, but it just seems to come out of nowhere. Apart from her being good with math, she just figures out like, Hey, this is going to keep happening forever. So you might as well quit and let us survive. And that's the climax question mark. Right. And I think it just kind of reflects the whole idea of, you know, when America was splitting off from from Britain and only we wanted our independence. We're like, hey, we're growing on our own. Um, just let us be and we'll we'll rule ourselves. We'll have our own guidelines and policies and and laws and stuff. And just like just leave us alone and let us do our thing. And I think you can kind of apply the same mentality like we're going to be. This is a big city. We've been here for a long time, enough to have our own representatives now, and we're only going to keep growing. So, like, the only way is to go with this. It's not about control. It's just about letting us expand and grow with the times, with the environment. And I think she was kind of going in that way. Like, numbers don't lie in that sense. We're like, we're, we're just getting bigger. So you have to just let us figure it out as we go along. That's what I got from her. I don't, I'm not sure about you. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, it was just tough because it, like, it seemed all very truncated by the end. Like, we were moving so relatively slow because we had so much focus on the mayoral race. And, you know, we were trying to get to this summit with all the other cities, which happens. And then gets, you know, uh, gets kind of, thrown you know the, the whole action sequence happens and in order to save essentially the multiverse it just does <laughs> come down to these people so it's like they didn't even need the other cities ultimately right um so it, it, it just yeah it, it, it right it's just so too sorry quick. Not to yeah yeah go ahead. 
I agree because with when we had like Istanbul and Tokyo coming in, you know, like all, all these other countries, um, like, okay, maybe like how are they going to help um, with the whole New York thing? And I think it's like they didn't really add much because they were only like one chapter each. So it's more so getting like opinions from other people who've already been there. That's that's how I saw it. And especially with this UN's basically UN summit of the world um, or of these cities and countries and stuff. Uh, that's where I was getting confused. I was like, all right, we have Tokyo. That's a big city. But we have Istanbul and like we were getting full countries and then full cities. And then like, I don't know. I was getting all confused because there were too many characters now. Uh, but I saw every time we saw someone outside of U.S., I saw more so they were just looking towards them for their examples, see how they ran, what their opinions are, like, help us out, give us some advice, because you've already been there. Yeah, but it never played into, like I said, I mean, ultimately, it culminated in a way where... They, they didn't did, add anything. They didn't need the other cities, like, quite literally, they did not need the other cities to do anything, which is ironic for... A, a book called The World We Make, because I thought it would be this culmination of the world comes together. You know, mm -hmm. you've got Tokyo, you've got Istanbul, you've got London, Sao Paulo, Hong Kong. And it's like, all right, squiggle bitch, let's go. Right. We, we have all these people. This could be like a world war, not like in that sense, more like a world coming together to take on this big entity, what have you. And it didn't play out to anything like that's the world you you sh she should have made yeah. and didn't and that's the other like you know ultimately like we knew we, we sort of know who the woman in the white is right this this presence and i mean it's one of the things that like irks me about just a lot of movies books whatever when like there's not really a, a reason why the antagonist doesn't like because they could clearly like fight at any moment right but it's like for some reason we know we can't get the fight until the end. So some reason we, we might have just have these skirmishes in which we do, but like, it's like the final battle could happen technically at any point, but story-wise you can't do that. So you have to like figure out some pseudo, uh, you know, antagonist. Yeah. Contrived ways to do it. So that was my issue. And then, okay. The, and certainly the, the first book, um, does not give you anything about like the multiverse, right? So like whoever the woman in the whites, let's just call them bosses are, we're introduced them in one chapter and they're a tiny little section of that chapter. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Again, I need to know the lay of the land here. I understand you want to kill off the multiverse. Who are you? What are you? How did this begin? Like there was just so much room for exploration and um, just really diving into that. Oh, and they didn't it. we didn't get it uh -huh. there's no rules to it yeah and that was my whole question is like okay a woman in white we, i mean there is that whole folklore story that um she is someone you should be afraid of because she does possess power and i and i get like sure every story has to have its antagonist but i didn't understand why they were so against her like do we have to fight her yeah just because you don't understand and you're ignorant to this person, person, quote, or this power, 
being an enigmatic being out there, that doesn't mean you have to fight them. Um, so it, it's that whole um, uncertainty of like we don't under, we don't know slash understand what this is, so we have to fight it before it like takes us. Um, I was like, but that wasn't a big enough reason to go against the woman in white, other than the fact that she was just a constant lingering presence and through line of an antagonistic character throughout this entire book and like honestly i don't even really remember any if she had to add anything else to the story yeah i mean that's my big sort of issue with and this goes for beyond this book but like a lot of like world ending type stories it's like okay we have to save humanity but why (laughs) like nothing (laughs) nothing so far presented has shown that humanity is worth saving other than it sounds like a bad idea and boom, like there's our, you know, like good guys, good versus evil is simplified. And oh, well, if you're sit, you're trying to kill off the world, then you clearly must be evil. You know, like I just, I just need a little bit more depth and, you know, I, I mean, I don't know uh, what folklore you're, you know, hinting at with like the woman in the white, like, I mean, it's, um, to me, right, the subtext is very much right there on the surface. Like the woman in white, uh, you know, seen through like any sort of social justice lens, you know, uh, white women tears caused harm to, you know, the, the whole sort of Karen joke and stuff like that. Like it's all sort of intertwined in what the woman in white represents, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, I mean, I haven't read it in a long time, but there's an old story. It's literally called The Woman in White. Where um, is this mysterious woman? Like she's in a white gown dress, physically, um, and is she there? There's like a lot of mysterious, cunning things against this woman in a very uh, that has like in a supernaturalistic way. There are monsters and things behind her um that like she adds to the environment and but like she's the one who's in control of all that. So uh it it says and like we had monsters in this book. So it's just like if you take out this woman, you'll take out all the other problems and like the monsters and supernatural beings that come with her. Um and I think it was maybe along the same lines as that. If you take out the woman in white, then you'll take out like these big creatures and all the other political errors aristocratic problems that you have with this woman so i think it was if she if the author was trying to like have those same type of parallel parallelisms in this story well let me ask you this because there were sections right where you know any of our main characters they were sort of looking for these tentacles on people right that you know as i understood it these tentacles was like poison right so if you got a tentacle then you're sort of being brainwashed into the bidding and becoming essentially like this monster that you're talking about of the woman in white but as the story progressed there was plenty of people that (laughs) didn't need the tentacles to do heinous acts Mm -hmm. so you know on the one hand it's like saying okay you know this this sort of allegory of our world's going to shit because our brains are being poisoned by a select few right Versus like, no, there's also just pretty heinous people out there. So it's like, it, it, it feels like this weird, unfinished thought to me. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And but cause, like, I feel like the author tried to add so many different elements into this book. 
and it didn't feel complete. Maybe she was originally trying to write this book intending for it to have a third and explain everything in the third. Like this is the this is what's happening here. Um, but so when finishing this book, it just felt like a lot of things were incomplete. Um, that I would have been more satisfied if we did get a third book to just understand everything better. Yeah. So I'm just going to read part of the uh, acknowledgments, which really feels okay. like an apology. Okay. Okay. So we, this was a rough one. You know, the problem with writing a fantastic paean uh, to a real city, the real world moves faster than fiction. When I started it, I did not intend the great cities series to be a metaphor for the COVID-19 pandemic, nor for my country's swung dive into deep fascism. We've always been swimming in the um, fashy shallows. All of this meant I ended up writing about the soul of a city at a time when that soul was, as we used to say in my old counseling career, in transitional stage, i.e. midlife crisis. The New York I wrote about in the first book of this series no longer exists. I, I decided not to mention COVID because there was no way to know what the pandemic status would be by the time the book made its way through the publication schedule. I had to change um, one of my initial planned plots for the book, a monstrous president raging war on his own hometown because Trump got there first. The Great Cities trilogy that I'd initially planned became a duology because I realized my creative energy was fading under the onslaught of reality, and I didn't have it in me to write three books in this milieu. I came dangerously close to quitting after book one. In fact, I absolutely hate leaving stories unfinished and readers disappointed once I've begun a thing. So I finished this one out of sheer bloody-minded stubbornness. There's more to it, but um, that feels like enough to you know get what you need of like why yeah. perhaps it misses the mark but that that basically just explains everything i just said it's like it felt incomplete um and for, and i'm like and i get that it's like you're writing the world is in turmoil um and sometimes your your creativity just dies and you just don't have the energy to finish something that you started off with and like that's unfortunate you know because i think had she known that, like, the world would have been kind of getting back to, I don't even want to say normal, but, like, back to a, a regular state um, just within three years, uh, had she, like, if she was writing the book now, I think she might have finished off on a more positive note because the economy is coming back, um, even though it's, you know, <laughs> all the problems, economic, financial problems that we're dealing with now, but just health wise, mentality wise, I feel like the economy is in a better place than it was three years ago during the pandemic. Not to, you know, timestamp our show right now, but it's, if she had given it a couple more years, I think she probably could have finished it. I think that's the thing. Like, it feels to me like, I don't know, maybe there's this pressure to like write this book, right? Like an external pressure. Um, part of it feels self-inflicted, but part of it could be like contractually, she might've had to do something, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I do think like, you know, yes, yeah, as much as like any reader, you know, would love to have the next book out sooner rather than later, you know, I, I think, you know, as artists, take your time. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're not make if, if the quality is not there to what you would like it to be, take your time. And, and, and with books like this, I don't know, like I find it, you know, um, there's a story that I've been working on for a number of years that deals with, 
like on the surface, it's about artificial intelligence and virtual reality, but it's really deeper than that. It's about like our own psychology and the AI is more of a means to get there. And part of it, especially now, like as AI just explodes, you know, it's like, how do I, how do I tell this story in a way that is specific, but, you know, lasts, right? And I think the main thing is, it's that irony of when you go specific with a story, it can become more universal because you're drawing out principles as opposed to making it about that actual thing. Right. Um, yeah. And I think again, had she, I'm not saying COVID necessarily, but lean into that sort of notion of like, well, let me just revise and work towards principles, you know, as you're saying, you know, cause she didn't need to predict where the state of the world necessarily was, but she could write it in her own way of like, you know, it seems like, hey, we all have our own actions to take to make the world a better place. So that's a great principle. You know, I mean, hell, you could set that in World War II. You could set that in the Roman times. It doesn't matter. That same idea applies because it's timeless, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And again, we don't know all the factors that she had going against her. Maybe it was a contractual issue. We know it was hard to have, you know, just delivery back in during the pandemic, but there were delivery issues, there were material issues, there were, you know, lack of lack there of materials, because no one was getting the products uh, here and there printing issues. Like I know there were newspaper printing issues and stuff. So let alone newspapers having problems, what do you think about actual hard copy books, you know, so there were, there probably were a lot more factors going against her that we just don't know of. Um, but I just say, as an artist, I, I feel bad for her because I know what that's like when you have the, your passion project and you put so much hard work and time and effort into something for it to not finish the way that you wanted it to. That's just, you know, that's upsetting. As an artist, like, I, I feel for her. Yeah, I I feel like, if anything, like, as much as I'm railing against this book, I feel like I just want to give her a hug. I know, same. Like based on like, reading the book, you need a hug. Yeah, hug or help. like, or some. Can can I pay for your first therapy session or something? Because like again, you sound very angry. You sounded like there were a lot of different emotions in this book, and I was like, do do you need a friend or do you need to talk to someone? <laughs> so I I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a line in a movie that I I particularly like. Um, it's from I used to go here, and it's like a first time author. And they're not getting the traction with their book. And someone's like, um, yeah, well, your first book sucks. And, and finally, she's like, yeah, I, I know. You think I want to write a shitty book? I couldn't write anything better, okay? So I wrote a shitty book, okay? I get it. It's shit. <laughs> so I feel like, I don't know, if, um, I don't know, if I'm N.K. Jemison, maybe that's the feeling. And, and I hope, like, again, like, I mean, she's, proven through other works that she has a talent so i hope you know um this is a blip on the radar ultimately so you know i don't want to just like rag and rag on on it particularly but um yeah it's just a blip on the radar it ends up being a shit book but that's okay we all have a shit book in us yeah i mean and this is like it's not a terrible book but it's definitely not one of the favorite books that we've read so far in our series um but i mean like you said there it leaves you with a lot to be desired. Um, but that doesn't mean you still can't take something away from this. It might not be in the best voice or the best opinions of which we personally enjoy, but you can still learn something from this. 
Yeah, and, that, and 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 if anything, I mean, honestly, like that's where like my frustration overall comes in with with any sort of art when it's like when it doesn't hit the mark, but I know there's so much there and that the person is talented versus like I could read something crappy and be like, okay, whatever, this this is garbage and you know it's garbage and I could just leave it and be done with it. Whereas something like this can eat at my mind like a, you know, like a splinter in my mind because I'm like, there was so much to, to, to harvest there. <laughs> there was potential. There was potential. And you have the means to do it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's what's frustrating. Um, but all right. I mean, I, I don't think we need to. I'm going to read one more review and then I think we can, uh, you know, preview what we will be reading and what we're excited for. Okay. Um, and if you do have final thoughts, you know, form them now and I'll let you uh, speak them. But so here's a review. Um, as in the previous book, this is a fantasy inspired by the very real division between those who embrace difference and are only tolerant of intolerance, and those who seek a creatively killing homogeneity, seeing it as a return to supposedly moral past that never existed. The story also explores how perceptions about a place imposed on it, on it by outsiders who have only the most distorted views about it from popular culture can genuinely have damaging effects. It's cathartic to imagine fighting these slippery um, forces with magic to believe for a moment that some complex problems have direct solutions, that passion, faith, and the will to fight can make miracles happen. Perhaps the possibility of confronting those problems head on might serve as inspiration for all of us facing variants of this issue in the real world and help us to model ourselves after Jemison's characterizations of New Yorkers, tough, nasty, but ultimately kind people who defend their own while embracing newcomers into their midst. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I, guess I wanted that. I wanted that miracle. Yeah, I get it. And it's the whole idea of like, you have your own self-awareness, you have your own opinions. But then once you let someone else say something or, you know, like, the, again, allowing all these other countries to have their two cents about who they are and who they are as people. Um, yeah, that's realistic. It's like when you let other people opinions dictate how you feel about yourself and how you see yourself then that's where the unraveling comes in that's where you lose your identity because you saw yourself one way but other people see you in another way and therein lies all your problems so it's 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 opinions yeah and it's um I mean, for better or worse, we're probably in the minority because it has a 4.16 rating on Goodreads out of five stars. Um, and this that's comes, pretty high. <laughs> this comes from 7,700 ish ratings. So that's a lot of readers that rated this book pretty high. Yeah. Were they all New Yorkers? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, you know, here, here's kind of one that was like meh, kind of like us. Uh, the least compelling book from one of my favorite current authors. The dialogue and action are fine, but it seemed like there were way too many half-developed plot threads, and I found myself kind of bored as it went on. Also, I think I was just never really sold on city magic as a concept, especially compared to the fascinating magic systems of her other works. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think our takeaway is um, read her other other works, this one you know, maybe, uh, maybe just leave on the shelf. 
Right. And I haven't read any of her other works. Uh, you said she was big in the sci-fi and like, obviously I love sci-fi, but I don't want to just judge her writing style just on this book because I didn't like it. Didn't like the voice. I didn't like the directions or the multiple directions of where this book could have gone. Um, so I won't dictate her whole work just on this one piece of her stuff that I've read. So if I read the other ones and I love them, then great. Then sh I'm sure she's a good writer. Um, I wouldn't base it on this book. I've only read. So I, uh, so, you know, our friend Sarah, she was reading from the broken earth series. The first book is called the fifth season. So I, uh, I read the prologue of the first of, of the fifth season and the writing style is completely different. I well, have good. to say. Like it just, I mean, night and day in terms of, you know, like what you might even be surprised that like, wait, that's the same author to a degree. Um, so, yes. Um, that's promising. So if nothing else, I do, you know, um, I, I, like I said, I mean, it's if anything is where we're talking about it. I, I think this is just a representation of what happens when, you know, we're all going through the woes of the world and, and you still have to make. Art and pandemic yeah because that's that's the uh the nature of your job is to create art and uh, sometimes that can unravel yeah um all right but uh marissa you you get april's pick so why don't you introduce yeah. us to what april will be our april choice is water for elephants by sarah gruen um yes they made a live movie um, adaptation of it so i'm gonna watch it uh yeah fortunately this book only has about like six main characters you only have to worry about uh yeah it's in the world of circus and it's about a young guy just getting thrown into the circus world um like very uh and i, I don't know how much you you've read so far i've already finished it but he is basically just him being introduced to like all the different personalities of the uh, of the circus uh, people that he now has to work with, and um, it's it's heartwarming. There's a there's a love story, of course, here and there, and you know conflict and and just the times of uh, the Great Depression era. So it's it's more of a personal um, story within a small uh, ensemble, which is it's nice. It's a different it's a different tone <laughs> from the book that we just read. Um, so yeah. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I'm about 100 pages in. Um, it's written in first person and it's, you know, it, it utilizes that technique of, you know, present day, then, you know, reflecting back on the past. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, present day Jacob, that's the main character. He, he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes, I'm enjoying that. Um, so we'll talk about that in April. Uh, then in May, um, this is a book that I just stumbled onto. Um, you know, I go to our local bookstores. So uh, Making History um, mm -hmm. was was that. And I was like, oh, this seems interesting. I've never heard of this author. It, you know, she's a bestseller. So let's check this out. I have. I've actually heard of her, but I haven't read her. All right. Well, then exciting. And then yeah. why don't you introduce us to June? That's right. We've, we've got we, we got all yeah, the we, we have our book choices june which is also uh pride month which i think is good um based on our last conversation um when we talked about they both die in the end with adam silver 
writing characters that are LGBTQ, I, I figure we, we have a good representation. And um, our June pick is You, Me, and U.S. by Bridget Putt. Bautista. She is a Filipino-American writer, and the story is based on two young women, um, two best friends, uh, falling in love with each other, and they didn't know it. Uh, so I think it's it's a good, uh, that that whole self-realization, um, you know, slowly falling in love with your, your best friend, but not realizing it until it was too late. Um, and then <laughs> conflict ensues there, so... That that's the fun part. Uh yeah, I'm excited. I've already read that book too. So it's it's really good. I really enjoyed it. And I'm pretty it's it's pretty safe to say that uh, you know, we don't know all the books in between, but in October, I really want to get Marissa to read the novelization of Hocus Pocus and then the sequel novelization, which is different than the sequel that is the movie to Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I mean, I'll read it. I'll read it right now and then re- read it again when it becomes October. Like, you already had me at Hocus Pocus. So, yeah. it's actually, if that's your October choice, I'm for it. it, it it's going to be a reread for me, but it's definitely a fun, you know. Yeah, I think both both the novelization of the actual Hocus Pocus and the sequel that they come up with are really, really fun. And it's, you know, I mean, it's silly because it's it, it's written for YA, right? So it's got very easy writing. Yeah. So it's it's fun. Yeah, and like I think my only hesitation is that I grew up with Hocus Pocus. It's the whole opposite effect of people like people love the book first and then the movie's not great. But I grew up with the movie and the movie is classic and iconic and I can quote every single word in that movie. So I'm just like more hesitant now to read the book because I don't know again, if that'll change my opinions of the movie. I promise you. So again, the the, the book was written after the movie, right? And so in that same way, um, it... It, it, it sticks to it. And I promise you, like when you yeah. first read, when you, when you read the Hocus Pocus version of it, it adds little elements that you're like, oh, that makes sense. Um, could, because it, it allows you to like dig into the character's mindset a little bit, you know, um, not that it does it like on a, on a completely like neurological sort of level, but like little hints here and there of, you know, when, when anyway, it, it, it's just fun. So I, th- I think you'll really enjoy it. And because you know the movie so well, you will literally see the scene play out as you're reading the book. It's going to be a lot I'm of fun. It. I can't I'm wait. for it. I-, I will get it right now. <laughs> can't wait. So that's what we've got coming up. Um, as always, comment, let us know. Uh, you know, you guys, some of you guys have let us know your recommendations. I promise like they're somewhere on the list. At the end of the day, we can only do 12 or I mean, we we do some side rating as well, but overall, in terms of what we discuss, we're doing uh, 12, 12 books a year. So, you know, <laughs> not and you know what, Phil, it's actually been a year. We're, we're this is officially our 12th book. Um, it's been a, year, a one year anniversary for us. And we started with the Poppy Wars and I'm actually currently reading the Dragon Republic. It's right over there. Um, it's because I actually really enjoyed that that first book that started all of this. And I figured, hey, you know, it's been a year. Let's pick the series back up. It's really good. It's really good. I highly suggest anyone who has read the first one, read the second. And I'm planning on reading the third. It's so good. Well, maybe. You should uh... continue it, Phil. Seriously, you should. I Like, it's a big book. It's like 600, almost 700 pages. I'm already like 500 pages in. I'm almost done with it. It's so good. Right on. 
Well, may- maybe at the end of each episode, we'll do like uh, what Phil and Marissa have been reading. We'll just kind of give like quick reviews that we've been reading of stuff on the side. Oh, yeah, so. sure. Let's do it. <laughs> so awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Marissa, where can the people follow you? Everyone can follow me at Serafini TV. And I'm at Phil Speed Tech, and thank you for joining us yet again. And as you've been hearing, <laughs> the show continues to evolve. Yep. So. Keep reading. Awesome. Bye.